I feel fearless, to be honest. I'm, I'm actually able to decide what I want to do and what I shouldn't or, or don't want to do. Whereas at that time, I was limited by fear only. In this episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Matteo Melgar, a family-first digital entrepreneur based in Mexico. Mateo's online journey started in 2016 as a virtual assistant, making $3 an hour. Now he's a full-time freelancer who's made over $200,000 while putting his family first. Despite suffering from bipolar disorder, depression, and anxiety, Mateo is a high performer who carved out a thriving online business while staying true to his values, family, freedom, and self-reliance. Mateo's story shows that you can achieve financial success on your own terms. Please enjoy my conversation with Mateo Melgar on the MeBet podcast. Welcome to the MeBet, Mateo. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me, Erica. It's a pleasure to be here. I am excited to share your journey. So you describe yourself as a family-first digital entrepreneur. Tell me more about that. What does that mean, and how did that happen? I decided to talk myself in that way because people tend to they associate their careers from what they are in some ways. And I think it's that that's especially, I mean, also the opposite. They tend to to kind of tie themselves to their careers too much. So in both ways, you get lost in, in, the, in the middle. So I, I started doing online monetization because I wanted to provide for my wife and then after that for my kids. So this is fun and this is exciting, but I always have, always try to have that on mind because I want to also remind myself that this is for me like a medium, something I um, I use as a means to get uh, my final objective, which is, you know, having time for my family, being present. It's also so fun and so exciting that, that some people get lost in, in the middle. No, they, they focus on their products, they focus on their clients, and they, they, tr- they sometimes forget, you know, about what's important. So I try to do that as a reminder to myself and also Try to be try to set, try to set an example because I think that's something we really need in today's uh, marketplace and in you know environment. Right. So, what sparked your entrepreneurial spirit as opposed to just saying, "Oh, I'm gonna get a job somewhere and provide for my family"? Was there anything that particularly sparked your entrepreneurial spirit to go out and do this? Yeah, I always tell people that I actually grew out of necessity because in 2012 um, I was serving a full-time mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in South America and I got diagnosed with depression, bipolar disorder, some other quite heavy stuff at at that moment and you know I was sent home early from that mission and also had to cope with you know try to go to school uh, a lot of other things the treatment so I eventually realized uh, I needed to do something different if I, if I had to succeed because, you know, at that point I was disabled in many ways. So I eventually met my, my wife, which at the moment I realized, okay, if I want to get serious with her, I need to get a job. I need to do something. I need to provide in some ways. And I was at zero at that point. Like I literally had had a couple uh, minor jobs, not nothing serious. 
Um, so I started teaching English, which, which uh, was my only skill at that moment. I was also st studying college uh, online. So at some point, uh, I realized I hated uh, teaching English because uh, English as a second language requires you to be super extroverted and, you know, kind of make fun games with people, things that I, I feel I didn't feel very comfortable with. So I started looking for alternatives and I, thanks to heaven, I, I realized there was something that was starting to be popular online, which was being a virtual assistant. So um, to bet on that and, you know, see if I could get a job online, which wouldn't require me to go uh, to college and teach people and also, which will allow me to get a better income because I was literally making like $250 per month teaching English at university level. So definitely something wasn't right there. Right, right. So basically, it, like you said, it started as a necessity because, and also it didn't jive. It wasn't in alignment with your personality. Is that what I'm understanding? Like teaching was not something that was with your personality because it required being more of an extrovert. It, it made me feel very uncomfortable because I was a good teacher. For example, in my mission, I teach religion, which was easy for me to teach. I also was good at teaching other stuff, but English especially was very uncomfortable. Because it was like people didn't understand what I was saying. Sometimes they wanted me also to teach in a method that I wasn't comfortable for me. In the meantime, it was uncomfortable in many ways. Some students don't really want to learn, so it makes it even harder. So I, it definitely wasn't, you know, bad payment, bad work environment in some ways. And also I didn't like the job itself. I, I, I didn't see any reasons to stick with it, to be honest. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. So you started off as a virtual assistant. And you made about $3 an hour to now you make over $5,000 plus a month as a freelancer. So tell me, what were your early days like as a virtual assistant? What was your process? Well, first, I, I mean, the conditions kind of aligned for me because also my city is a very low income city in Mexico. So there wasn't a lot of attractive options for a no degree student in the marketplace locally. So I was like, what can I do? Like, I literally got, got into the top in English teaching. So what else can I do? I started seeing some offers in, in local job boards speaking about, you know, being a translator or being a legal assistant and translation or translating documents. I started applying to this, those type of jobs. I actually never got uh, a call back to be considered. So in the meantime, I was, you know, I was, I knew I was on something when I, when I find uh, upward.com and I realized, okay, I can try myself here. So I started, I created a profile, tried to optimize it and started applying to, to jobs. To be honest, at that time, it was just me applying a lot of times per day because there were not as many limitations as there are in, in Upwork. Like you, today you are limited to the, I mean, if you want to apply to more jobs, you need to get more connections or pay money in, in the meantime. So I was like applying, applying, applying. But when you have no success record, it's kind of hard to get started. So you basically do whatever you are given. And I came across some Asian person who gave me a very dodgy job, like doing uh, some feedback in a product or whatever for $2. So I kind of completed that. She actually paid me via PayPal, not to the platform. So it, it wasn't not a registered job. But, I, but something changed inside myself when I see that money in my PayPal account. 
which is a, a lot of people talk about that, like, oh, my first dollar. It's true. Like when you see that coming a reality, you're you're like, okay, I just need to do a lot more of this, and I will get a lot more of that uh, transactions. It's that validation, right? Like, okay, I'm doing something right. I'm onto something. Because this is 2016. So when I quit my college uh, job to start working my first Upwork jobs online, actually my landlord lived across the street and she was like telling, she, she actually yelled to my wife in the in the middle of the street, like, hey, isn't your husband going to go to work anymore or what? Like, how are you going to pay me? And I was like, you know, it's 2016, like there's no pandemic. So no one knows about remote jobs here or about, or at least in my city. So it's like people didn't know what I was doing. And so I, this was new to me as well. So, but I believe there was something more to be discovered because, you know, it's, it's logic, you know, if you can make a uh, hundred dollars for, for one article or something that like, that's almost half your month's pay. So just do, just trying to do more of that and trying to monetize the internet uh, was, I put all my faith in that and it worked out. That's good. So you start off on Upwork. And then that's where you started to get a good amount of your clients. Are you still on Upwork today? I'm still in Upwork because it works well in many ways. For example, it's the best way to start when you have no clients, no reputation, no experience. Because, you know, the marketplace is there to help you. It's also an opportunity for you to get some good reviews, right? For you to have people to say, oh, Mateo is great. I give him five stars. So it's an opportunity for you to get some social proof for your next clients who come along and see the wonderful work that you've done for them. I think people are very impatient nowadays. Like they want to jump into online jobs and suddenly be making like 2K, 4K, 3K per month without any experience or anything. I, I, I tell you because sometimes I, I help some people get jobs online or I kind of have coached them or in some other of my client work, I have required hands to help. And so I have helped some local people with, you know, some, you know, modest salary, but it's, it's an opportunity. When I started establishing myself in Upwork and I consider like a full-time thing, I was making some $400 per month and it was just me and my wife. And that was good for us at that point. So what I'm saying is like, you need to be grateful about for opportunities and, you know, start from scratch. Like there's nothing free. There's nothing free. So you need to start proving yourself. You need to start giving a good service. And this attitude of gratitude will eventually help you grow because it, you need to grow at some point. There's, there's no way you are doing good things and you're not growing. You started working with companies like Testimonial and Beehive. How did that happen? Tell me about how that came about. What steps did you take to land such big clients like that? You know, like I said, at first you get like basically everything they put in front of you. But at some point when you have a reputation, you have social proof, and most, most importantly, you have connections or you are in the mindset of networking, those opportunities kind of knock on your door. For example... I met you at Small Bets, which is Daniel Vassal's community for uh, for full entrepreneurship. So, a testimonial: someone posted the opportunity from from Damon, uh, the founder of Testimonial. His tweet he posted posted on the group, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna apply." It turned out they like my tests and everything, and I kind of got some recommendation from another member that knew Damon, and it it turned out to be an opportunity. 
Bihai came as an opportunity from another contact as well. I helped him in at some point get an online uh, job with one of my clients. He did the same in return. And also it turned out Damon helped me land. Uh, he didn't help me in some ways, but the fact that we are connected, that I have social proof from them in my page and everything, helped me land work with other clients of him. So at, at that point, you're not knocking on doors, but rather you know, trying to help others and they help you in return. And if and like I said, if you do things properly and you you're a good person and you try to help people, you know, these things happen on like on their own. It's a reciprocity thing, right? If you're helping someone, they're willing to help you out. How long did it take you to get to the point of making the five thousand dollars plus getting the larger clients? Like I know you started in 2016. How long did it take you to get to that point? It probably took me like four years. And the important thing to consider here, and that's what I mentioned, that I'm a family-first digital entrepreneur. I realized that I cannot compete with other people because I have kids, because I make conscious efforts to be with them. I prepare them for school in the morning. I pick them up at 1 or 2 p.m. I spend the afternoons with them. Uh, I go to church with them on Sundays. There are a lot of things. Other people are just working from 7 to 7, probably daily, even some weekends. So I'm not trying to compete with that. Probably I could have hit larger larger milestones early. But for me, it's like I said, it's, it's more like a process that is happening. Like I'm not trying to fit in my family life into my work life. I'm trying to do the opposite. I'm trying to power my lifestyle, my family life through this kind of online opportunities. So four years may sound um, like a lot of time, but I'm not really worried about growing too fast or hitting X or milestone. Like in some way I consider myself also I'm an emailist entrepreneur. Like I I try to understand what enough means for me. Um because because at some point, especially during the during the pandemic, a lot of opportunities started to emerge remotely in Mexico with companies like Didi, Uber and Airbnb, things like that. And I got some opportunities, but I will need to relocate uh to bigger cities just to be closer to those sort of startup hubs. And I realized like, oh, okay, this is not what I want. Because I, I tried in the past and working in an office or even if it's some days, it just doesn't work with my family life at this point. So I decided, look, hey, this company is more attractive, but I don't want to dedicate my life to those endeavors. I'd rather try to own a business instead of having a job. You have created online courses and you've been making money for the last seven years. Talk about how discipline has played a role in your routine. I'm not very disciplined, to be honest. To me, it's weird because it's more like a matter of priorities. My wife is a makeup artist. So before we get, got married, she worked since she was aiding. So she always loved to work and do things and everything. So now with our kids, we kind of have struggled in some, in some ways to try to maintain ourselves limited in some ways. Because, you know, it's it, when you say yes to something, you say no to other things. So we have to say sometimes no to opportunities or to um, changing or in, improving our careers just because we have to keep in this balance. It has been hard to get to this family life balance. So it's it's this balance can literally fall apart just by changing a couple of things in our lifestyle. I think I'm disciplined in the way I work with my current commitments. 
but I'm not disciplinedly or consciously trying to grow a lot. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes I'm attacked with FOMO or, you know, this feeling of I'm not in my highest potential uh, in my career. But um, what I try to do is if I, ha if I have a commitment right now, um, I'll do things like the best I can. Like if I have a commitment on a deadline, I'll try to, to always hit it. And also, if I have a problem, I try to always communicate it. And if either if I suddenly I feel I have space for something else, then that's when I try to, you know, oh, I'm going to do a cohort course on freelancing in Spanish, for example. Or, oh, I'm, I'm going to try to build a website for another idea and see if it can get to monetization or, or whatever. But to me, it hasn't... It hasn't been about having a lot of goals and, you know, being disciplinedly hitting them daily. To me, to me, it's more like how you think within your possibilities. Like, to me, it's more like if I have relationships, I try to uh, cherish them. I try to nurture them. I try to deliver. Uh, but I'm not, like, in that way a super disciplined person. I try to be more like a responsible, reliable uh, guy in, in, in the, that sense. And that's important when you're working for these large companies and they're expecting things for you to produce, right? So, and then discipline in the sense of trying to figure out your family obligations while you're still building up your business as well, I'd imagine. What would your younger self be proud of you for? When I was in my hardest part dealing with bipolar and depression and anxiety, I was scared of everything to be honest that's probably what sent me away from english teaching like it was it scared me like it made me feel bad but i had to do it i had to do it and i actually was under a very bad medical treatment at the time like i was already taking those medications for a couple of years but they weren't good and i didn't know it to be honest so it was hard for me to get up in the morning i felt very uh, sleepy and, and with all honesty, I would almost cry because I needed to go to work, but I didn't. I, I couldn't go to work or get up to go to work. So I was very scared of a lot of things. But like I told you, like necessity pushed me to leave those fears out. And at this point, um, like I, I feel fearless, to be honest. I'm, I'm actually able to decide what I want to do and what I shouldn't or, or I don't want to do. Whereas at that time, I was limited by fear only. So that's something... I haven't really thought about it, but that's something major in my opinion. How did that process come about? Like, how did you go from having all of this anxiety, dealing with depression and bipolar to now feeling like I'm fearless, I can conquer anything? Like, what was that process like? Was there something that you did or didn't do? When, when I was uh, studying to, because I studied a bit to become an English teacher, one of my teachers taught, taught me a lesson and I don't even remember the context, but the lesson is this. How do you eat an elephant, right? Piece by piece. So that stuck with me like all, all, uh, until this day. What I do is I deconstruct everything into pieces. And I try to tackle one thing at a time. Because, you know, even to this day, I'm the same person. I have the same health condition. But people around me are surprised because I become like super productive. That's the only secret behind. Like I don't try to multitask or super delegate or have a hundred automations in place no i just try to prioritize and then deconstructing in mm, micro tasks and try to tackle stuff 
some days I truly I'm like broken in physically, but I still need to move. Like even if it's vacation, like as freelancer, sometimes you need to just uh, keep moving and keep doing things. Keep at least even if you're traveling, advance some stuff. So what I do is literally, I, what are the most important things I need to do today? And I try to tackle those, but I don't take a, a big project and try to go into it and kill it in a second. No, I kind of break it down in as many things I need to do. Sometimes to a ridiculous level, like literally writing down things that are, some people will think like, oh, this is ridiculous. Like you just need to make the call. Sometimes for me, like I write down, like get the number, uh, this is what I'm going to say, then call the person. And I check my all those three and complete the task. So I have to train myself uh, in that way because my mind doesn't work in other in other ways, and I've experienced really, uh, really moments moments full of pressure, be just because I'm not following that uh, that process, because I then projects start to to stack one another and emails and then WhatsApp and then you know because I have many clients and switching contexts is not easy. But when I deconstruct them in that way, I, I I'm able to function. And you have clients internationally all over the world. So you have to be available to them. What are some things that you do or some tools that you use to keep you from burning out? Okay. Minimalism has been a great tool for me. I try to keep things very simple. For example, my productivity tool, Notion, and it's not because all of the feature it has. I just literally have a an ocean page with my tasks in there. And I have some subfolders to hit from my side, the other tasks that I don't want to think about in this moment. And I literally just, that small checklist is all I do. And I work from there. I try to keep emails like inbox zero, like whatever comes to my, to my inbox. If I need to action, I keep it. If I don't need it, I delete it or arch archive it if I need reference. And if it's something I don't really want to see again, I just unsubscribe and, and forget about it. That's why I think some curses become blessings because bipolar seemed like something very bad, but it has forced me to work like this. So I need to be very objective, very conscious, and very minimalistic in my approach. Otherwise, it's a, a free ticket to burnout, and, and that's immediate. Like I need to be very careful. So also as a freelancer, you, your reputation is important. So you cannot say yes to everyone and commit to things you don't know, especially within platforms. You need to be sure you can do it and you can do it on time and you can do it well. Otherwise, that's going to affect your, your score. And I, so that, that stuck with me. And that's why I just only commit to things that I can do and I, that I had the time to do and that I would like to do. So uh, yeah, minimalism has been good. Like I try to practice this in many areas of my life. But in business, like there, I have been influenced by people like Paul Jarvis, who wrote Company of One, and some other writers who have made me understand that it's not only about, you know, hyper growth or having 10 offices or have a ton of employees. I actually have tasted the opposite in one of my projects. I need to hire a lot of people to help me. Not because I wanted, but because my client needed it. I hired up to 50 people. And I managed them and I had to lead them and train them and everything. Ooh, it was disastrous. So uh, I understand a lot of people is, have this idea that, you know, having a fancy car, living in the best area, having offices, having employees, having an assistant, a maid and everything. It's cool, but no, it's not. The least you can have, the better you can function and think clearly, in my opinion, at least.
So you're very intentional about the things that you take on so that it doesn't overwhelm you. Yeah, and also the way I do them. When you're trying to deliver for a client, you can overcommit and do a lot of stuff. Also, when you it's, it's, it's the same for everything. When you build a website, when you create a copy for something, you can go above the, the requirement and do a lot of things and make it look super good. But when you're saying yes to that, you're also saying no to things like your time, your health, your family responsibilities, your hobbies, et cetera. So I try to keep it uh, simple. If you were advising someone on becoming a freelancer, where would you tell them to start? I teach this in one of my courses. You need to, first, you need to pick like a skill, something that people will pay you for. So a lot of people try to follow the regular path and, you know, sometimes even say they know something they don't. You need to pick a skill and just be clear about it and you make sure you know it or you can learn it. And then make sure you can, you want to do that long term. For example, if I'm not made for programming, I hate those types of interactions, those types of uh, tasks. Why would you get into programming? Like you just try to pick something that goes with you. And when you have that skill clear, then just go create a profile in one of those freelancing platforms like Upwork, Fiverr or something like that. Or just create a portfolio and start filling it. It's, it's simple. Pick the skill, create this medium for you to uh, market yourself, whether it's a profile in a marketplace or a portfolio online, even a free one, even on Instagram, whatever you see that can serve you as that. And then try to get some clients. Even you can, if you're not financially pressured, you can get some for free and, and in exchange for a, a review or permission to showcase some of the work, you can just help them. Once you're there, you, need, you just need to focus on social proof. Like, that's the most important part, in my opinion. Even if at the beginning, like I said, you have these three per hour gigs, the most important thing is increasing your reputation, increasing your contact network and everything. And they just grow from there. That's, that's literally just it. A lot of people don't succeed because they're just, I mean, they take their current resume, which is not focused on any skill, and they try start applying to online jobs with that. In some cases, they can become lucky and land like a generalistic job like customer support or something like that but in most cases they don't get hired because they don't have a skill or a niche or a profile they're focused on so you need to pick a skill you need to have a way to market yourself then you need to gather social proof and eventually just repeat and repeat deliver good work and repeat over that goes back to your minimalistic philosophy right like don't overcomplicate the process start with the one skill and then advertise it or market it on one of the platforms, right? A lot of people go crazy and start applying everywhere and to everything. And they post on LinkedIn, like, I've been jobless for eight months, help me. And, and it's, it's not that they're not doing anything. I always put an example, like, what would you use to, uh, for example, cut a tree? Would you use, like, a Stilson key or something like that? Or would you use an axe? Like, it's, it's clear. But sometimes we try to do... Uh, things incorrectly and we question why it doesn't work in that case getting an online job is not that hard you try to profile yourself towards something specific but when you are just throwing your message your resume around uh, you're not putting yourself at the, at the top of the applicants you're actually just a random application which is of course not going to 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 be considered seriously it can in some cases and good for those those persons but most cases it doesn't because you're not focused on anything 
and, and, and don't get me wrong, this took me a lot to understand because at the beginning I was I was in the same case, like uh, just trying to get some job without intention. You're putting in the reps. You were doing the work and, and accepting the jobs, but you were very specific about the particular job skill that you said that you could offer. Yes, and then you need to nurture that because th that's why I say when you're doing things right, there's no way you cannot grow because you have many projects in virtual assistants then probably you can try to uh, profile yourself towards project management or some other uh, operations management positions online or whatever but that's because you have a record and you are like kind of following that path if you're a programmer you probably can start doing some technical writing tech support whatever but at some point you're going to establish yourself in a position where you know you can aspire for something else and grow and just by tweaking your profile a bit and doing a bit a bit of changes, you can jump into the next level. But what happens? It's like it's like the gym. When some people I see I see them on the gym, they do a lot of work, but I I wonder why they're not getting the results. A lot of them, for example, are doing a lot of hard work at the gym, but they're not following a good diet. So what happens? It's it's worthless in some ways. Like they're not getting healthier or they're not getting results. But it's just because their system or their process is not it's not it's not in place the same when trying to monetize online you can literally spam out the whole the whole world but if your offer is not attractive and i offer i mean for example in the case of freelancing your profile your prices or your unique value proposition is not clear like you know it's it's not going to get you the results that you want and then you're going to ask yourself why i'm not getting any results right What's the biggest thing you did or are doing to help you achieve the freedom that you enjoy? Okay. It's it's more like an like a decision. Cuz in the past I I tried to always be super available for my clients even if they didn't require or need it. So, I'm you know, I'm speaking after years of freelancing. So, this wasn't at the start, but at some point I was already in upper level positions or in positions with more flexibility and freedom, but I still wasn't getting the freedom I wanted because I wasn't giving myself permission to get it. So I was in the place where I could ask for it or just take it, but uh, I, I was always trying to be super available. I was trying to be super responsive. Like I was dedicating a lot of my time to that when it's not necessary. So at some point, and it actually helped me grow my business or actually double revenue. I started realizing, okay, I don't need to be full-time uh, on this. or I don't need to be online from eight to five. I need to deliver value. I need to do my tasks, uh, what I'm being paid for. But I also need to start taking that freedom and living it. So right now, what I do is I leave my kids to school at eight. After that, I go to the gym for one or two hours every day. Then I go home and try and work on whatever is important in that day. Then I go pick my go pick my kids uh, from school. We eat together. Then I work for the rest of the afternoon, probably until four or five almost every day. And that's enough. Whereas in the past, I was always stressed. Uh, I was always worried of, you know, not being available, but no one was requiring that for me. So what I'm trying to say here is that in many cases, even if you're an employee, self-employed business owner you're not getting what you want sometimes because you just don't want to take it 
Like sometimes you have all the options there, but you are trying to maintain this image of, oh, I'm super responsible, or I'm super dedicated, I'm super focused on my work, and you're missing out what you really want in the, in the meantime, right? Yeah, which is that freedom. Yeah. Tell me about the steps forward. What's the future look like for you? Where are you headed and hoping that this freelancing journey will take you? Um, well, at this point, I've been working with some clients even for five years and some others, one, two, three years. And so at some point, I, I realized I have all the know-how to start doing my own projects and start uh, growing them as well. So... Um, when I joined the small bets in, in last October, that was my, my main goal, start moving towards that, towards creating my own businesses or more digital products that I could actually scale. For example, first year of freelancing, I'm just trying to figure out what's up with freelancing. Well, at this point, I could actually teach other people to freelance and I have done it and I have coached them from making $700 per month at big agencies locally to making... I don't know, 3K per month uh, with a freelance job uh, uh, internationally or, or whatever. And, you know, it's just a simple process, but you need to, to take things in stages. So I, I feel I'm in the stage where I can start making my own businesses and I'm scaling my own information products. So that's that's what I'm I'm currently working on. I'm, I'm actually partnering with a couple people already and we're in the, you know, cooking those ideas into trying to get them to monetization. So that's, that's my main approach. But I also like, I like freelancing, to be honest. It's where I realized at some point, and also with Daniel's approach, is you need to diversify. Like, I'm lucky because I'm not pressured to build this business overnight because I need the money. So I want to keep this freelancing business because I also invested quite some energy and passion on it. I want to keep it running and I want to grow it, even if it's possible. But I also want to start creating uh, projects that I own completely. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with those projects. And I will definitely make sure to put all of your contact information in the show description notes so that people can follow your journey and see all of the progress that you've made from virtual assistant to freelancer to soon to be business owner. I'm looking forward to that. Thank you so much for joining me on the MeVet podcast today. No, no. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I appreciate it, really. What an impressive transformation, both personally and professionally. Thank you, Mateo, for sharing your story. Here are three takeaways. As a family-first digital entrepreneur, Mateo was intentional in achieving freedom by choosing projects that align with his values and priorities, setting boundaries with clients, and making time for his family. When beginning as a freelancer, it's important to start small with one monetizable skill that you will build upon as you develop your reputation and client base. This social proof can be leveraged for larger projects. And finally, Mateo realized that his mental health challenges may appear to be a curse, but they are actually a blessing. They helped him to develop a system 
where he's more productive, is present with his family, and got him to a place where he feels fearless. That's it for today. Join me, your host, Erica Johnson, next week on the MeBet Podcast with another amazing guest.